0: Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Dr. Katie with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, and in this podcast episode, I interviewed Dr. Jasmine Collins. She works at The Wandering Chiropractor and has opened her animal chiropractic business in the state of Utah. While she's relatively new to practice, I thought she had a lot to share about how to be successful in business, growing from the ground up. I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, you know what I hate? Patient notes. They are the worst. The last thing I want to do when I come home from a long day at work is sit down and write about what I did. Um, I see a lot of patients, and it is near impossible for me to come home after a long day, interpret my chicken scratch on a napkin that I wrote about uh, the patient that I saw, and write them into my computer and send those records off. It also adds a lot of admin time. When I'm considering that I could be out seeing patients with the time that I'm sitting at home and doing notes, it just fries my brain. So thankfully, I found Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch. She talked me off a ledge. She found a program that worked for me that streamlined how I sent my records off. It streamlined my billing, my calendar, and literally things I didn't even know I needed and made me more efficient so I could spend more time with patients instead of sitting at home doing records. So if you want a little bit more information, this is the top of the line best animal chiropractic EHR that is available. I recommend you talk to Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch so she can get you a a little bit more information and get your practice more successful. Again, look them up at iPointTouch.com. Hey guys, this is Dr. Katie with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. I have a guest today. This is Dr. Jasmine Collins. She is at the Wandering Chiropractor in Idaho, right? Or Utah? Utah. 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 I always get those confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She practices on... They're the same... (laughs) She practices on humans and animals, from what I understand, um, and has a successful and thriving business. I just want to chat a little bit more today about how she got her practice started and a little bit more about uh, what her life is like, a little behind-the-scenes podcast. So thank you so much for joining us, Doc.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's Mm -hmm. an honor. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about
0: you, where you practice, and uh, kind of about what you do, your process.
1: Sure. So I am in Salt, like the Salt Lake area. Basically, I'm just a little bit north of Salt Lake, uh, but the human practice I work at is in Salt Lake. So, just as a general location, that's about where I'm at. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, but my husband is military, so that's what brought us out here. I initially pursued my undergrad degree at uh, Penn State, of course, from Pennsylvania, and then I went to Life University in Georgia because he was stationed in South Carolina. So I picked the second closest school. I could have went to Sherman, but I chose not to. I went to (laughs) life instead. And then he got orders out here. So that is how we ended up out here. Um, I moved out here like six months before starting my practice six months before I graduated from school. So that was a big hurdle for me to jump through starting a new practice, not really knowing where to start, what to do. Um, And then, yeah, like I said, I'm an associate as well. So I keep humans separate from my animals. I just find it easier to do that. I also, for some weird reason, felt more comfortable starting my animal practice first than just the humans. I don't know why I kind of, I went to chiropractic school thinking I would never touch a human being after I took like part four boards, (laughs) but then I, you know, obviously changed my mind. Um, so yeah, I kind of just did my own animal thing off on the side and then I'm an associate at a really, really awesome practice. Yeah. So.
0: That's awesome. Cause many people start, I feel like in reverse order, they're always like dragging their feet during their animal practice. Cause they're like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I can make ends meet. And I was kind of that way, you know, and I was in the same boat where I started animal chiropractic, um, you know, as a profession, starting chiropractic school. So I was like, I don't really want to touch human beings, but you know, I yeah. did it for two and a half years and you know, then I really learned, okay, this maybe isn't what I want to do every single day. So it's interesting that you kind of went in a little of backwards order there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit more about what it's been like um, being um, with a spouse that's in the military. And um, I don't know if you guys get transplanted often, but what does
1: that look like for you? I don't really know yet because I mean, he, this is his third station. So the other two were while I was in school. So I didn't really have to worry about the whole practice side of things when he, we had to change bases before. Um, and it was kind of nice coming to like, obviously there's pros and cons to it, but it was kind of nice coming to a brand new area and just starting from complete scratch. Um, but I don't know what that's going to look like when I have to, Oh, that light decided to come on. Uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, I don't know what it's going to look like. We've talked about maybe going to Arizona or Idaho just because they're close and I could still keep a large portion of my clientele and not have to completely rebuild it again. Uh, we've also talked about, you know, what are our options if he gets out of the military at this point? Because before when I was in school, I was like, oh, yeah. I can start many practices. Like it's no big deal. I can do this again and again and again. And then I did it one time. And I was like, no, I do not want to do this again. It's been fun and I love it, but like, it's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> well, this is the hardest part you think about starting a practice from scratch in an area where maybe you didn't know anybody first getting started. I,
1: I think that's the hurdle is really, you know, community really matters. And once you get tapped into that community, it's not so, I feel like it's not as hard. Like if I went home to my hometown, I already know a lot of people in the industry, whether it's dogs or horses or whatever. And like they, I mean, they're all already like, Oh, I wish you, (laughs) I wish you practiced at home. Right. Like if I went away for eight years to pursue school and then I came back and was like, okay, I'm setting up shop in my hometown. It would have been so much easier because I already know all these people. So I think that's the biggest hurdle is not knowing anybody. So I had to really like go out of my comfort zone to build that community in a very short amount of time um, in order to make it successful, you know, and that was very uncomfortable. So I think that was the hardest part. And I, love community. I love my friends and my family. And so then when you have to start over again, it's sad because you kind of feel like you're breaking up with people and you're not, (laughs) you're just kind of rebuilding, you know? And I think that's, it's very hard emotionally, but, um, it's very exhausting as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Were there any particular things to you did to build up that community in your, your new, um, place that you're practicing
1: in? Yeah. So, my biggest thing was social media. So I, I hate social media. Let me be honest. Like I hate it. (laughs) It sucks up a lot of my time, whether that's productive for my business or I just get stuck scrolling for whatever reason it's, I hate it. Um, But I, you know, it's, it can be really, really big for your business. So what I did initially, like before I even moved here, I posted, there's usually a wives page for military bases So I posted in there and introduced myself and then I met another, uh, equestrian friend and her and I started trail riding together. And then she introduced me to this rescue that really supports my business and so on and so forth. And it just kept spiraling. And then there's like a million Facebook pages for horse people and dog people in salt lake city and just the whole state of utah and so i would just frequently like post in there if they let you sometimes they don't let you promote your business in there but most of them do in my area so like earlier this week i did a post on like educating, you know, what is a misalignment? Why is it important? And then I just posted it in there for people to look at so that they can get educated, not just saying, Hey, here's my schedule. Like, you know, you don't want to just do that. So I strategically post in those groups and interact in them too, because that's also important because of the algorithm of Facebook. And that really helps just get people's eyes on my page. And that like, that's the only, like, honestly, I hate to say it, but Facebook is one of the only reasons I was able to grow so quickly in a brand new area because so many people saw my page and saw that I was promoting it.
0: Was there a certain demographic you would say that were on these social media accounts? Was it mostly the the horseback riders, the dog people, or was there a certain niche that you found
1: yourself really, really, um, you know, aligning well with when you're initially getting started? so it was mostly horse people for sure which makes sense. I mean I have dogs and I love dogs but I definitely prefer to work on the horses. I'd rather get kicked than bit. I mean I get bit by horses too but I'd <laughs> I just rather get kicked than bit by a dog. Um and I'm a very high energy person so dogs and I sometimes have a hard time like calming down <laughs> for the adjustment especially if they're cute. I kind of like freak out <laughs> when I first see them. So it like I just I don't think I attracted like that group of people initially, but then, you know, every, most equestrians have dogs or, you know, whatever. So then I kind of, I actually got connected with a dog training facility and I work with a couple of different trainers now. Um, and that kind of spiraled into wrenching a room out of their facility for my canine clients. So I wasn't driving around all the time for dogs. Um, so it definitely started more horses and then now it's kind of balancing out between horses and dogs. And then as far as like even going deeper into the horse community, it's been kind of fun because it's been a little bit of everything. Like I have a lot of rodeo people, but there's also a lot of endurance riders out here. Um, I also got involved in mounted shooting. So now I have a lot of mounted shooting clients, which is nice. So it's kind of cool because Salt Lake is like the hub for Equestrian sports—you can literally find anything you want here. So it's kind of fun because I get to serve all these different types of horses, from pasture pets to super great endurance horses. So it's really fun. Are you one of those people that, you know, I call it the
0: Baskin Robbins, where you always have to have a different flavor? You kind of get bored with just one niche. Or do you feel like there's a certain type of niche where I could treat this type of client forever? Has there been that for you?
1: I guess cause I really, I really just opened up in, um, July. So I haven't really found one that I'm like, I absolutely love. I mean, I'm a rodeo gal at heart, so I grew up barrel racing. So ideally those are like my horses, but also barrel horses are kind of crazy. And I really love my pasture pets. Like they're so chill. <laughs> so I kind of like to like change it up cause it definitely like Almost gives more patience because I get like my super high strung crazy horses, and then I get these super chill oldies, you know. So I guess I am kind of more like that Baskin Robbins. I just every different flavor is kind of fun, and that it's like that with my dogs too. You know, I have some really high competitive dogs that like uh, Lore Racing is one of the bigger ones I'm involved in around here. Um, and then I have my family pets that they just want the best for them. So it's kind of nice to go back and forth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You never bored. Yeah. There's so many different disciplines. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. With people, sometimes, especially if you're in an insurance model, it can get kind of uh, same thing over and over and over again. At least that's what I yeah. ran into where we were. Um, but tell, let's let's um, come back a little bit to marketing, particularly, you know, social media, because I think a lot of people are, you know, just their brain goes just cross-eyed when they start thinking, what should I post? How often should I post? What should I do? And I think you actually led into something that I tell people to do a lot, just be social on social media. So you didn't really directly spam anybody. You didn't go to all these posts saying like my new patient special, or like, this is my schedule, get on it. You know, you probably answered some questions first. So would you say that most people that you attracted were through groups specifically, or did they find you on your page via hashtags or was it mostly, I personally find I do educational posts. So a lot of times when I do something educational, um, like a before and after or explaining something that maybe, you know, here's how to find pain in your pet, you know, those, those um, types of posts attract more people than just me just spamming saying, here's my business. If you need my help, here's my number. So I don't know if you saw um, a similar trend in your business.
1: I did. Yeah. I, I mean, what I usually do is like at the beginning of the month, I'll write up a little like Canva canvas. Great. If you're not using Canva, like just get Canva, just pay for the pro it's worth it uh, when you're using it like that. So I, at the beginning of every month, I try to write up a cute little poster that has different dates that I still have availability on. And then I'll just list the area that I'm in. So that way it's like more tailored to them. Oh, I see. She's going to be close to me that day. Great. And I only do that one time a month. Um, and then I really don't post about my availability again, because you don't want to seem desperate. Um, and then I did answer questions. So you have to be careful because there are a lot of vets on there too. And some of them are not super happy about what we're doing, you know, because they just don't know enough about it or they're in competition with you, which is really sad. But anyhow, you have to be careful with how you answer it. Um, so I usually always say, go to your vet first <laughs> and, you know, get your vet check first, even though we're not a referral state. Um, and then if nothing else works, you know, like I'm here whenever you need anything and and I'll just answer the question as best I can. So I usually just put a little blip in there and just say, Hey, I'm here for you if you need anything. So, um, there definitely is like a decent amount of that. Just trying to be social. Like you said, be social on social media and just be a real human being, you know, if you constantly blast, like if I blast my schedule all the time, nobody's reaching out to me versus if I post, you know, a before and after, then I've had so many emails of people then will go to my website. And then I have this, um, I use square form, I think is what it's called for my website. And there's a like contact me where they can give me their email and write a little, blip of whatever's going on. And they're they're like, Oh, Hey, I saw your post. And then my horse has that actually. So, um, really the before and afters and educating people has been the biggest thing. And then I do actually, because I'm more social on social media, Mm -hmm. I still get people that say, Oh, Hey, can I get added to your schedule? I see you're going to be here on that day. And so, um, I think kind of just like, don't like be consistent with how frequently you're on there, but don't keep posting the same stuff. And it helps boost your Your engagement, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) It probably (laughs) spiraled. It's a it's an algorithm no one
0: can quite figure out just yet. And I know there's this new trend where people are posting all these you know videos that are like pre made and then have this cute like um, background music and you know it's educational and they're like dancing and stuff. And I'm not the personality to do that quite. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I still do something that's educational. I still try and, um, you know, post my face on there. There's actually, uh, they did some research um, with, you know, these people that are social media influencers, as they call them. And the people that uh, post their face more often actually um, have better brand recognition and the people actually are more likely to trust them because they see their face over and over again. So that's just an interesting thing that I'm trying to implement myself because I hate being in front of the camera. So it's really interesting as introverted people who just want to go out and survey animals, we still have to remind ourselves like, okay, people only choose services from people they know, like, and trust. And how are they going to be able to develop that relationship if they don't know you? Mm-hmm. So, um, that that's probably one of the hardest things is you still have to be a human being. You can't just, you know, build it and they will come. You really have to, you know, offer your help and teach and invite consistently, which is something that I try and try and do myself. Um, yeah. So pulling, pulling back a little bit, what made you want to pursue animal chiropractic a, a, as a profession? Did you have like a miraculous story or did you just, you know, thought it'd be cool or, you know, cause there's many different reasons people pursue animal chiropractic.
1: Yeah, I kind of fell into it. So I was lucky enough to grow up getting adjusted. My mom, like, I don't even, I don't remember my first adjustment. I just know I was really young, you know, and then I just consistently would go when my neck would hurt or whatever, Um, and so I've luckily been exposed since I can remember to human chiropractic. Um, and I had great success with it, you know, between getting into horse accidents and everything. And then I'd go to them and they'd fix all my problems. It was great. Um, and then I like, I was kind of more of like a backyard pasture horse owner, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) really old, like cowboy methods with my first horse. And then I met my husband in high school or middle school and he was selling his horse and I wanted to get into barrel racing. So luckily his mom was very like holistic with her animals. So I bought his horse from his mom and then she taught me how to actually be a horse owner and like not ride them hard and put them away wet, you know? <laughs> and so I would always get him adjusted because I, like, that was the rule, you know, like you own this horse, you have to get him adjusted. Um, but I would get him adjusted like twice a year and I was using the crap out of him. So that just was not enough for him. You know, I actually, he had really bad roach back. And then because of that, it just had so many things going on. And I just didn't know what the heck it was. So I went to animal chiropractic school. Nobody told me, come to find out, my initial chiropractor was not a real chiropractor. He, you know, learned from somebody else. And while he did help my animal a lot growing up, I'm like, I don't appreciate that now. <laughs> um, so anywho, I just was exposed to it forever. And then um, <clears throat> excuse me, I had another dog come out and who actually she went to options and she kind of became like my mentor. And I had her out for my horse, and I was like, man, this is so cool. I just wish. I wish I could do this. And I was a senior in undergrad. I applied to vet school. I got into vet school. I chose not to go to vet school. (laughs) I had kind of this, like, I don't even know this gut feeling. I just shouldn't do it, even though I had already done all the things to get there. And so I chose not to, I didn't know what I was going to do for like six months, which was weird because I grew up always thinking I would be a vet. That's what you do when you want to help animals. Right. And then like I said, I had her out and I was like, man, I just wish I could do that. And it was like a bag of bricks, just like chucked, you know, just hit me across the face. And I was like, Oh, well, yeah, I can do that. You know, like I can absolutely do that. And I literally like the next week I applied to life. I only applied to life. I wasn't going to go anywhere else. And I got in and then the rest is just history. So I kind of went into it knowing I want to work on animals. So luckily I, you know, saved up all the money to go to school immediately, like while I was in school (laughs) for animals. So that way I could start everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not like I didn't have some crazy, like, wow, my horse was going to die. And now he's not (laughs) story or myself, you know, I kind of really just fell into it at the perfect time. Yeah. Was there any, anything particularly that you felt in your gut you're like, I shouldn't be a
0: vet. Was there anything about like the hours or like uh, the mental strain like, what about vet school? Were you like, it's not for me.
1: It was that I wanted to help animals, but I didn't want to just cover stuff up, you know, and I really didn't have a con like a grasp on the concept of chiropractic at the time. Um, I just know I went when I didn't feel great. You know, I, I didn't really understand like wellness and preventative chiropractic Um, but I just, I'm not big on drugs and there's a time and a place for everything, but even just for myself, I don't like to take a lot of things that aren't natural. And I just felt like that's what I was going to be doing as a vet again, time and a place for everything, but you know, there's other options out there as well. And so I just, I didn't want to be continually taking care of all these sick animals and I take care of a lot of animals now, and they're not necessarily sick. They have a lot of problems, but they, they're not sick. And, they don't need that kind of healthcare, you know? Um, so I think it was just that I don't, and, and like the euthanasia aspect of it as well. I can handle that. Like, I don't like emotionally, I would have been fine with that. Um, but I didn't want to only have that as an option, you know, like there's so many vets that don't know about this and like dogs with IVDD and all that kind of stuff. And oh, there's no other options besides surgery or a wheelchair. And there really are other options. And so I just wanted to pursue, like that last ditch effort option to help the animals. Yeah. And really, you know, help them. Like obviously I'm not fixing the issue. Their body's fixing their problems, but be a facilitator in that healing. Mm -hmm. So that was really the biggest thing for me was um I just didn't want to do that. And the only reason I like looking back, the only reason I wanted to go to vet school is because I wanted to know it all. Mm -hmm. Like So that way, when my horse is colicking, I can just do the right things. Right. And not have to rely on somebody else. Like I just wanted to be a know-it-all. And that was kind of my first red flag of like, that's not really why you do something. (laughs) That's not good. So that was kind of the beginning of me questioning whether or not that was the right career path for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think when your heart's on service, it's hard to focus on anything else and you really you know, I personally feel like no one that's an animal chiropractor is focused on serving just themselves. And if they are, then they're in probably the wrong profession because you know this working around horses, like you, you have to be outside of yourself. Like you have to get out of your own head in order to be present with them. And they, they almost command that when you're in in a, you know, a space with a horse, you know, you can't really be thinking about your finances or your kids or all the other stuff you got to do. You really have to be present in the moment. And it's probably one of the best things for us (laughs) because we're always thinking about something else as human beings. And that's one of the nicest things I think about animals is they're so present and they're also focused on getting better. And I feel like sometimes with people, especially that maybe can get lost in all the other things that we have going on. So there really isn't a place placebo effect. And that, that's really what I do like about it is um, like you said, there's, there's no, there's no lying to an animal like, Hey, you know, walk a little bit better. This is not a last, this shouldn't be a last resort, but you know, for a lot of people it is, and it does work. Um, I'm interested to hear your perception on, um, you know, horse owners and dog owners on when they come to you. Um, what is the, the difference in maybe philosophy? Do you find that most of your horse people are looking for more performance kind of wellness kind of stuff? Um, or do you have some of those that this is the last, last thing we've tried, we can't figure it out. Mystery lameness. Um, because I find most of my dog people are actually like that. They're like, we've tried everything else. The medication's not working. And most of my horse people are more like, I just want to shave three or four seconds off my barrel. So, uh, I'm interested <laughs> to hear a little bit more about your perception of clientele and what their goals are for their patients.
1: Yeah. A lot of it is, uh, or it's, it really started out as like, oh, my horse has this problem. Like I saw a lot of horses initially compared to dogs. So we'll talk about dogs in a minute, but, um, like, oh, I noticed that my horse won't cross over in the hind end when they're turning or this or that. And, um, like, oh, we're kind of thinking about putting them down because nobody we've tried everything, you know, and I've had ones where I was the missing piece and I've had ones where I wasn't. And I still, we still don't know what's going on, you know? And so, um, it started out a lot as like, I have this problem. I need you to fix it. And then it kind of, I mean, I work in a wellness human practice. So that kind of helps with my mindset for my animals too. And law of attraction is a very real thing. So I think I've, over time I've attracted, you know, at first I was like, I'll take anybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you call me, I'll be there. Like give me 30 minutes, you know? And now it, you know, as you grow your practice, you get to be more picky choosy almost in, in a good way. It's not like I turn a lot of people away or intentionally do that but I do attract more of like the wellness base, like, Oh, we're going to start training soon, or I'm going to break this one soon or start them under saddle, whatever. And I just want to make sure they're comfortable. Or like today I have this really amazing client down South and, um, she's got a bunch of different kind of horses, but mostly Tennessee walkers. And she had a mare that just had a baby and this is her second full. So she's like, I just want to make sure that she feels good before I swing a leg over her again. So, you know, I'm getting more like that wellness approach of like, let's just make sure they're functioning well first before we try to add anything else in. But I still get so many that are like, I have this problem that we need to fix now. And they require a lot more care initially because they've, you know, they didn't know. And they've waited so long to get them under care because they didn't know this was a tool that they had access to. Um, and with my dogs, it's like, I, I have very few that came to me without a problem. They mostly all have some problem And with time, I'm getting more wellness patients as people start to understand the concept of chiropractic more and the benefits behind it. Um, But like last week I had three people call me, they all had bulldogs in some form, whether it was like a regular bulldog or Frenchie, you know, and they all have like loss of function of their hind end completely, like completely. And I'm like, what happened this week? Why? This is the theme, you know? Um, But most of it in my canines is just, they have an issue. Now my performance dogs are more like the one owner is like very in tune with her dogs. And she just noticed that her posture wasn't great. So she got a hold of me as soon as she knew that I was in the area. So I'd say it's all started out as problem-based and then we're kind of easing our way into more of that wellness practice as my you know, initial clients are kind of graduating to wellness care. I'm attracting more of that crowd now, which is really cool to see. Um, and then I do still get some people that are like, well, hopefully this only takes one adjustment. And I'm like, that's not really how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Is there
0: anything you do or say for those kinds of people to kind of reframe their mindset? You know, I obviously will go into analogies. I'm like, well, does one workout get you a six pack or one salad make you lose 20 pounds? And, um, it's, of course it's cheesy and you don't want to say that a thousand times a day. Um, but there, those are a couple of things that work really well for me. And I don't know if you have any tips or tricks for somebody who's struggling with always getting these, I don't want to call them problem cases, but reactive care mindset owners, you know, cause we struggle because maybe we take on too much of that. We're like, okay, last resort. The only thing that's next is euthanasia. And of course you don't want them to put their animal down. So is there anything you do to help to, um, re-educate and also minimize the stress for yourself?
1: Yeah. So I, I, w- one thing I've struggled a lot with is scheduling enough time with first time patients uh, or clients, because I really do take a lot of time to explain what I'm doing. Um, if I've never met them before, or they don't have any idea what chiropractic is, because I want them to understand why we're doing this, especially if they like, you know, came to me like, oh, I just bought this two-year-old and I want to make sure they feel good. Like, okay, great. But like, let's talk about the other benefits of chiropractic care too, you know? So whether they're coming to me with a problem or not, I like to take that time to really break it down for them. Um, And with the problem cases, it's the same thing. You know, I explain, you know, for example, Roachback, I see a ton of roachback. I don't know why, probably because my gelding had it so bad. It just law of attraction. <laughs> All these, you know, people came out of the woodwork to have roachback horses. Um, and so I really explained to them I mean, this is why this happened. You know, this has been happening for a long time. It didn't just happen overnight. And so if like, once they get to wellness care and we keep them there, it's going to prevent them from going back to those old ways. You know, it can happen again. It might not, but it's definitely going to give them the best chance at, a comfortable, happy life, you know, but I also dive into what the heck is the nervous system? Where is it? What does it do? It's not out. Uh, Oh, hang on. Sorry. My, my is calling me and it took me off of the screen. That was very odd. Sorry. (laughs) It like completely took me off of zoom for a second. but I explain, you know, the nerves go to the organs too. So, you know, if you're using them competitively, how are they breathing, you know, diaphragm, all that kind of stuff. So I just, I try to take the time to break it down for them. And so many of them, like today I had a new patient and she was telling me about this other horse that has the lump on their back and he crow hops, but he crow hops because of arthritis in his knee. And I'm like, he might be compensating for the knee, but he's probably also crow hopping because his SI joints aren't working right. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's just taking that time to sit with people and educate them because if we don't, nobody else is going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that time and time again with vets in the area and nothing against them. And I'm, I'm never going to sit, you know, speak poorly of them. I'm very thankful for them. They do something that I couldn't do, didn't want to do. And I am so grateful to them. Um, it's just a difference in training, you know? And so we need to sit with them and educate them in a different kind of way than the vets do. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my take on it. And if they don't understand what I'm saying, I'll find a different analogy to give them or a different way of explaining it so that it does resonate with them. Um, I talk a lot about injury prevention, you know, if we are in alignment, like if you only think of the biomechanical benefits to chiropractic, if everything's lined up the way it should be, there's no strain, extra strain on different tissues that can't handle that load. So that just makes sense, you know, logically. So that's kind of, that's what I do.
0: Yeah. It's just interesting because people, you know, they can come with their own perceptions of maybe what chiropractic care is because, you know, you obviously can't fill in the gap of, you know, what YouTube videos they watched of chiropractic adjusting, <laughs> Or, um, you know, maybe they had a not so great experience in the past. Maybe their chiropractor didn't explain things very well. Maybe they, they had a different technique or personality than you. Um, so you never really know where someone is coming from. So you have to fill in. I always tell people like, I'm not condescending to you. I just want to fill in all the holes. (laughs) yeah So, um, and I think people appreciate that because you can ask like, have you seen a chiropractor before? But that's a yes or no answer. That doesn't say, did you see a quality chiropractor before? You know, there's, there's quite a spectrum, especially in the animal chiropractic world, um, because there's there's not really a good like here's a here's the quality bar. You know, we don't have like the ABC or IVCA training sitting up on the the shelf like we need to, um, but you know, people have their own perceptions of this is what chiropractic is. And this is what it does. Some people, like you said, are very structural. They're like, maybe they're an engineer. They think of this, like my horse is a, is a a drawstring bridge, and this is supposed to be this way. And if sides high, it's going to put stress here. And then other people are maybe a little bit more emotional. So they see the connection between too much stress on the body is going to make the horse be more emotional and uh, act out more. So some people, you know, based upon how they are wired, um, it will change how they perceive, what you are doing. so um, I run into that myself um, where I find you know I'm not a very talkative person but there is a lot of talking that needs to happen during the first appointment. So I see a lot of small animal and usually what I do for the, just the first 10 minutes of the appointment I just let the dog sniff me, wander around the room and then I just talk. I'm like, okay, why, what are we here for? What are we doing? Have you seen a chiropractor before? Do you know, like what we're going to be doing? And like, I just literally like just talk for probably like eight minutes. Like, just like, this is what we're doing. Is there a goals today? Tell me a little bit more about what you're struggling with. And for me, that's a lot of talking. So like by the end of it, I'm like, okay, you <laughs> sit in my car for a minute and unwind. Uh, But Mm -hmm. we just forget these. It's essentially like people from Walmart are walking into a CrossFit gym. There's just no idea what's even going on. So they have to learn that this is not just like I, I walk in, I walk out. This is more like a a lifestyle change. Would you agree with that? Because it's very much lifestyle oriented.
1: Yeah. 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 I definitely do agree with it. And that like I mean, I get, I get so many people too. Like, I mean, if I had a penny for every time I was out working on animals, people were like, Oh, Hey, Doc, like, can you just like, you know, my but <laughs> I'd be freaking rich. <laughs> okay. Um, and so like trying to explain it to them, like, I, I honestly find it harder for human chiropractic because so many people are like, Oh yeah. You know, I go every now and then and get my hips twisted. And then I feel great for like a long time. And I'm like, that's not, whatever. I don't, I honestly kind of just like pick and choose your battles. And that is really what it boils down to. Cause like, I, I have clients before where like they do hire me for one adjustment and then they don't schedule me again. It's not that they're never going to, it's just, they're going to wait a very long time. And then my job's going to be even harder, you know, but some people, if they're not ready to make that lifestyle change and really grasp the concept, if they're not very receptive to it, then I still will educate and share it with them because it's important to me and I'm not going to not share that knowledge with them. I find it very important, but, um, I also don't take it very personally if they don't hire me back, you know, or don't have me back out when I know their animal needs it because they're just not ready for it. And it doesn't mean they're never going to be ready. They just are going to take time. And that happens in my human practice too. You know, we'll go through consultation and if they're not ready, I usually don't even do exam. I'm like, listen. Go home and think about this first, because if you're not ready for the care plan that I'm going to set out for you, there's no point in even getting started right now for them because they're just going to be sore after their adjustment. You know, they're not actually going to have a whole lot of healing. So, um, I think as you get into practice more, you start to be able to read those personalities and people and kind of meet them where they're at. And I mean, that's a big part of both human and animal practice is just meeting them where they are and being the support that they need in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there any red flags that perhaps would lend you to believe that this person is is going to be someone that uh, needs more time to process before they invest? Are there any certain questions you ask?
1: So, um, I mean, usually they're red flags because one of my other clients has kind of told me about oh. <laughs> <that> <laughs> you heard the grapevine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Um, but like, if I don't know them, I mean, I've had clients that are like, well, hopefully this only takes one adjustment. That's red flag. Or also like people who only message me and their first message is, how much do you charge per horse? You know, like it's all about finances then it's not about benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, and most of those people, like I just send them my fee structure. I try to start a conversation with them. It usually doesn't go anywhere. I send them my fee structure and I just kind of let it go, you know? And most of the time they hire the cheaper person, whether they're an actual chiropractor or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, eh, I, at first, you know, when you first start, it's really hard because you want to help all the animals, but you also want to like, start making a living. Like, it's not about money, but like, you got to make a living. Right. Um, But I quickly let go of that and just was like, I, I have a very specific group of like clients that I want to serve. And those are not the people that I need to be serving. There's somebody else out there that can serve them much better than I can, you know? And I think once you let go of that, you attract less of those people, but you also just don't take it to heart. You know, I used to just stay up late at night worrying about those people and those horses. And it's just, my mentor, she said to me before, you can't save them all. So don't lose sleep over it. You know? Yeah. That's probably the hardest thing
0: mentally is because what, like you said, there's, there's so few, you know, chiropractors period that are, you know, well-qualified and are going to serve patients well. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I believe chiropractic helps, you know, a lot of patients, regardless of whether it's, you know, uh, trained or not trained. Um, but you know, we can't mentally take that onto ourselves because, um, one, we don't have time for that. We got to go serve more patients. And then two, uh, just, it breaks down your self-confidence. You know, if, if you want to have a successful practice, you want to be serving people that make you happy. You know, if, if, if 50 bucks, for you where you're going to have to, you know, hate every minute of it versus 50 bucks where you love seeing these people and, and they're just like your family, then it's, it's different. You know, money feels a lot easier when you like what you're doing. Just, just personally, that's, that's what I have found. Um, but, um, moving forward a little bit, um, with what you said, um, crap, what what was I going to say? They'll come back to me, hopefully. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about um, your process of, um, you know, maybe attracting these people. There we go. Law of attraction. Um, how do you attract these people? Um, are there any mindset things you do um, to, you know, maybe center yourself, or, um, you know, what is your kind of process for setting up a new patient for their for their consult?
1: So I think it's very much just my personality and my own experience with human chiropractic. I think the, the office that I'm in is a wellness office. And so I think that just like just being, I'm in that office four days a week and some Saturdays. And so just being there helps me naturally have that better mindset for more of like a wellness based, um, client. Um, and then I think it's in the posts that I'm like, what content am I putting out there as well? But also website matters too. You know, I tried to include as much and I need to, I know I need to work on my website and make it more accessible for people. But initially starting it up, I wanted to encompass, you know, what, what is my definition of chiropractic and and. it's really hard to put that to words. So I did the best I could at the time yeah. to do that. So I think it really matters in like what content and what your online presence is, whether it's on social media or just Google, you know, it really does matter. And so for like the posts that I do, it's, um, you know, for my before and afters, I always include, it took us this many months to get here, like, It's not going to happen overnight, you know, and really just showing people like it does take, it it is an investment time and financially, but it will pay out. Like if you just trust me, you know, but I also tell people too, you know, I have no problem if, if I'm not what they need, I will gladly refer them to another body worker that has, you know, the cold laser or does this or that, or massage therapist or back to the vet, if they need the vet again, you know, and I think just being real with people that you're going to give them what they need, it kind of just helps attract the right group of people, you know? Um, and then as far as like, I think you asked me about setting up a patient for Mm -hmm. their, um, I, I need to work on that process a little bit. So I went through like a software change where I used to have like intake paperwork. Now I don't, I just ask all the questions initially because I'm just in this like limbo transition phase right now. Um, so so there's not a
0: reason why you do that. It's just, you're in transition because I personally find people don't fill out the paperwork. So I end up doing it anyway.
1: Well, that was part of the thing too. Cause they're like, I, I mean, I know there's not like HIPAA for animals, but I like being, uh, you working on humans too. And my brain is still like, I have to like, has to be secure, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I haven't <laughs> gone, I want to pay for like jot form or anything like that. So, um, I just do like the initial stuff, like my informed consent is on paper and then I take a picture and upload it to their file. And then I use iPoint Touch. Now I didn't, initially I used Jane and I just converted it to animals, but it just ended up not being as convenient as I needed it to, but Jane sends out the paperwork automatically. And like, they would just give me the crappiest answers. And then I ended up taking the time anyway in the first appointment. Like the whole point is to save on time and I wasn't saving time. So I just kind of took it out and started asking the questions for like their initial appointment, you know, either in text or when I'm on the phone with them um, or just during, during the consult, you know? So I want to stop you right there because I think a lot of people,
0: We'll see that as, you know, ideal universe, people are filling out their paperwork with a lot of detail that's going to be relevant to you. But again, we're dealing with perceptions of people who may not know what's relevant information for you. Right. 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 Oh, why didn't you tell me that, um, you know, this was a problem? And uh, they just they don't know. So um When we're determining fee schedules, especially like my new patient fee is a little higher than my established patient fee because I consider that because I'm spending the time uploading those consent forms, writing down uh, the information the owners tell me. I'm doing a gate analysis. Like I'm doing all these things the owner can't see after I leave the appointment or before Mm -hmm. the appointment even. Like sometimes I even call the vet and talk to them about the case and the owner doesn't even know that I do that. So there's so much behind the scenes that you need to consider that I need to be paid for this time as well. Um, So I really recommend everybody take that as a as a note, because there's, there's going to be times where you just feel like you're frantically working and maybe like, I'm not making any money for this, but I'm still working. Like, why do my fees not match what I'm actually doing? Because you are a quality professional if you do stuff like that. Um, So, you know, if people aren't going to fill out your paperwork, well then they got to pay for your time to ask them the questions. So you can fill the paperwork for them. So either way, somebody's got to be paid for that time to do things the right way. So um, I, I remember my question actually from earlier Yeah. Um, do you, I know there's some controversy on this. Um, some people charge for their time and some people charge for services. Um, and some people choose not to list those fees on their website. Now you are, you and I are kind of think on the same wavelength where if people call you and they just ask price, I don't really want to spend time talking to those people because I could spend my time better serving somebody else. So I just, again, relocate them to my website and say, here are my fee structures. Do you personally believe Mm -hmm. putting your fee structure on your website is a good thing or a bad thing?
1: So I like when I was in chiropractic school, I did a lot of like journals or, I mean, the equivalent would be like an MLM. Um, that was kind of like my side hustle getting through school. Um, Can you hear me okay? Because I think my internet's coming in and out. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. Um, And so I had like that also gave me a lot of good insight into like how to operate on social media in a functional kind of way. Um, But one thing I didn't do with the products I was selling before And not that we're selling anything, but in an aspect like we kind of are, um, I never listed the prices on there because I felt that it was more important to build that rapport with the person before we talked about the financial aspect of it. Um, And so like there are pros and cons to it for the people that only care about the prices and they're literally just going to hire the cheapest person because they don't understand like value and benefit. Um, it would be beneficial. Like, I wish there could be like a button, like if you're this kind of person click here, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause then they'd have all the answers they need immediately. And I wouldn't have to waste my time to message them. Uh, not that it's a waste of time. I shouldn't phrase it like that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when I could be serving another animal. Um, and so I don't have my prices on there. Cause I, I do like to have them message me or call me first. And you know, ask, okay, what's going on? Like, why, why did you even call me in the first place? Right. And just kind of build that connection with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's benefited me like quite a bit because there have been quite a few people that call and we do kind of spark that connection first and then go into the finances of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do answer a lot. Okay. Not a lot, but like Just this week, I've had at least three people message me, how much do you charge? And then I send them my fee structure and they never text me back. Um, So it is controversial. I think you got to do what's best for you. You know, probably the busier I get, I'm probably going to put them on there just so that I don't have to send those messages out. In the meantime, just because I did recently start up, it hasn't been an issue yet. And that's kind of how in some things with starting my practice, that's how I've handled it of, well, it hasn't been a problem yet. And I'm okay with dealing with that specific problem when it, like, I want to cross that bridge when I get to it, but there's other stuff I was not willing to deal with that problem later on. So I just did it the way I know is right initially, (laughs) if that. So I think you got to do what's best for you, you Absolutely.
0: know? I think it creates a bottleneck too, especially, I don't know about you. I I do most of everything on one man band. I do most everything by myself. I answer my own phones, do my own scheduling, uh, do all my own appointments, my notes. Like most most of the stuff people see, I, I'm doing it. Um, right. So we have to think, There's so many animals to be served when we're three to five years in practice. We don't want to create a bottleneck where you have to answer the phone, answer the questions before you can book a client. So we have to think about patient journey. How can we get them in the fastest way? And if money is a barrier, well, then maybe I don't want to waste that person's time waiting three or four days to get back to their phone call just to answer the what do you charge? Right. So um, I personally. I had a couple people where if they had questions, they would call me and then they talk. And, um, I, f- I find most people actually, when they find me on like a Google or something like that, they would, they wouldn't even look at the website. They'd just call me. So we ran into that anyway, <laughs> where yeah. I'm just like, okay, tell me what's going on. And it's usually a five minute little sob stop, stop story. Right. Um, and then by the time they got finished talking with me, they, they felt all warm and fuzzy inside. They want to get started. Right. Um, but as far as, you know, website, especially or social media or something like that, think of the process and how it's going to go. Like, what are these most common asked questions and how can you maybe make that look a little bit easier? So I know for a lot of um, human practices and stuff like that, they'll actually do like a walkthrough of this is what an average appointment looks like. So they'll walk through their office and like show the patient like this is what it looks like because that builds trust. They're seeing where they're going to go. I'm interested to see if that would be something we could do for an animal appointment. I actually shot a commercial myself of like, this is what an appointment looks like. Uh, Of course, it's going to be different based upon the animal, the surroundings and stuff like that. So it's not like cookie cutter. And that's an interesting point you brought up earlier about um, click here if you're this type of person, right? I actually have it on my website where it's like, get started now. I don't care about cost. Or the second button is more information. So they can click for more information if they want to read through like, yeah, you know certain types of people they want to read all the brochures they want to read about your history they want to know why you got into chiropractic before they even schedule there's two different personalities and I I find there's a person who get me started as fast as possible or I want to do some reading and mm-hmm. most people are kind of in that first group but that second group you have to cater to them so that's where you have the story about this is why I got started with chiropractic and and mm-hmm. they want to know that you're passionate and then they want to look through your prices and then you know there's those types of people um oh, yeah anyway. <laughs> I I have some very colorful pet parents, I'm sure that kind of shines through. Um, But tell me a little bit more about your typical, you know, work life balance, because you do see people, you do see animals, um, and you said that you do separate the two. So what is a good way to separate church and state that way? Because I know a lot of horse people, especially, they'll see riders out in the barn. So how do you address that? How do you do your scheduling? And how do you separate the human and the animal practice?
1: Sure. So I'm still learning balance. Um, that I think is a new doc is something that is one of the hardest things to learn how to do. I felt like I had a lot of good balance when I was in school, but then when you really get out there, it is a lot harder. You know, like we moved here, bought a house. I immediately started my internship process that you know six month internship and then went right into practice and it was like it's the first time me and my husband were living together so I had to deal with like that kind of balance of like how does that even work you know like just with him being military you know we've been married four or five years and we lived together like on the weekends (laughs) so anywho I was learning that balance and then also balance of like okay it's eight o'clock at night like now's not the time to message people back. That's not productive. Like, even though you feel like just one more, it's not productive. So I'm still learning that. And, um, it's been helpful having my husband to be like, Jasmine, it's 8 PM, like, or whenever you want to close shop for the day. Right. Um, so I'm still learning that balance. Um, and also I think giving yourself some time off if you're going to do both human and animal, um, I don't give myself a lot of days off and it shows like in mental breakdowns, eventually <laughs> I'll get tired and burn out, you know? Yeah. So I think, um, I think you kind of got to go through it a little bit to figure out how to not go through it over and over again. You know, like I, I needed to burn out a little to say, okay, it's time to take a step back. It's time to give myself a weekend off a month or whatever it looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the humans, like I, I, it kind of just happened, keeping them separate for me. Um, I just immediately associated because I didn't want to deal with all the overhead of starting a human practice. I believe in human chiropractic. I love it for myself and I want to do that for other people too. Um, but it is a lot more expensive to open up shop unless you're going to just like set your table up on the sidewalk, (laughs) you know? Um, and I just didn't feel ready for some reason, probably just because I started chiropractic school with the mindset of only doing animals or working on animals. So, um, keeping them separate for me is really easy. It is hard when clients ask like, oh, well I need a chiropractor. So can you, can you do that? Can you do this? Like right now? I've had so many people ask me that. And I am like, no, I cannot. Like there's a whole exam procedure that we need to do. um, and it's completely different from what this looks like, like this, Cause you know, you're, you're taking mental note of a lot of stuff with those animals that you write in your notes later or whatever that they have no idea you're doing. And so they think that it looks very similar for them as a patient. Um, But uh, you know, we get some really complicated cases in the human practice. That's just the kind of practice that we have. And so again, law of attraction, I know, I mean, equestrians, I mean, we're messed up people. Like we fall off and and hurt ourselves all the time. Like, I don't really want to adjust you without getting x-rays first, honestly. Like, that's just a note. Like for me personally, we all practice different. So I just don't want to do that. Um, And so it just naturally happened to keep them separate. And I think I'll always keep them separate because it takes a lot of energy out of me to switch back and forth from horses to dogs to humans. I I try to keep my dogs on one day, my horses on another day, unless I'm at the barn and they want me to work on their cow dog or whatever. That's different, but it just it, every every different species takes a little different like secret sauce and it's very draining to bounce back and forth all the time between all of that. Um I also don't believe in the, you know, one-time adjustment every now and then, which is what a lot of our equestrians are looking for right now unfortunately. So I try to educate them on what human chiropractic is while I'm at the barn and whenever they're ready, they can come to me and they may not ever come to me. And that's okay. Cause I just do a different kind of human chiropractic than what's going to be, what's best for them or what they think is what's best for them. So, um, I kind of do push those clients away in the human aspect because I want to keep it separate. You know what I mean? Um, So I don't know. I, I feel like maybe that came full circle. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I just feel like people don't
0: realize, you know, how much is involved and especially, you know, legality wise, like you have to be so much more thorough with a human being, because like you said, rodeo people. They may not always go to their primary care doctor once a year. Like <laughs> they probably, you know, I, I had a colleague that like refused to adjust somebody at a horse show. And it turns out two weeks later, he came up with multiple myeloma, you know, that's something you don't want to be adjusting for your, or, you know, at a one, one time at a show. Um, and then, you know, there's an exam involved, there's history, there's, you know, there's emotions that come into play because sometimes, you know, people can get emotional when you're adjusting them and in a public space and public forum, not everyone's comfortable with that. There's also, you know, malpractice insurance, and then there's liability insurance. And then there's just, there's a laundry list of things. Like there's some people where I just look at them. And I said, Nope, not without an x-ray. <laughs> um, and then there's other people too, where I just, I I just say, sorry, I didn't bring my human table today just because I want to dodge that bullet, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) so I don't know. I feel like, you know, it's, I mean, if you're an equestrian, like I, I just want films on you before I adjust you. Like, I, I know you've fallen off, whether you were three years old and like a bag of cartilage or 27, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see what's going on, you know, and especially that multiple myeloma, like you would have seen something off on those films, which would have been, you know, red flag let's refer out. So it's just, it is very much like a legality thing. And I even tell them, I'm like, listen, I need a very thorough analysis for you to know how to help you best. And I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's really protection for you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to hear that, then I like, I can't help them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor for them. Yeah. Um, So I try to kind of put it back on them of like, well, this is why, like, it's not that I'm just refusing you because I want to refuse you. It's because I actually have a reasoning behind it. Yeah. You know, it's super challenging. this like dot of light. I'm trying to like (laughs) evade it, but just (laughs) it's,
0: it's really challenging because of course we want to help everyone, but we also have to be mindful that if you look around in your town, there's probably more than one human chiropractor. There's probably at least 10. How many animal chiropractors are there? not that many. Right. So your, your time is better served to the clientele that need you. There's plenty of other great human chiropractors that can take care of those people. You don't have to be responsible for anyone or everyone. And it is nice getting even like one adjustment once a month or once in a blue moon is better than no adjustments at all. Yes. I agree with that. However, from someone who's had three head injuries and has had my fair share of bad adjustments, I really appreciate someone who's thorough, does an exam and like asks me like, Does that hurt? Do we need to do it a different way? Maybe we need to do muscle work first. Like, you know, someone who just doesn't, you know, pop, pop, pop. Okay. See you never again. Right. Right. So um, some of us are a little bit more fragile than others. And some of us, you know, are a little bit more emotional than others as well. So that's just one of those things where there is a lot involved that maybe other people don't think of. And plus, you know, with animals, we're having a separate person you know, especially in a referral state like Texas, I'm having a separate person doing all of that, you know, clearing out that animal of all the malignancies that could be underlying, right? So I have the veterinarian to clear that dog of, you know, any masses or any like seriously harming stuff, you know, outside of the spine, that's going to affect my adjustment. So I have someone to rule all of that out before I even see that animal theoretically with the uh, veterinary referral. So, you know, humans, I don't really get that I have to do two jobs, essentially, I have to one do the exam, and then two, then I had to do the, you know, the adjusting. So there's two different roles there, that maybe people don't see the other half. Um, and I can't speak again, for their experience, they've had with prior chiropractors. So anyway, right. um, tell me a little bit more about, is there anything you wish you would have known when you first got started? Is there anything you would have done maybe differently?
1: So my biggest advice, um, something I didn't do, like I said earlier, was I went with Jane initially, um, just to save money, you know, it's, it's cheap. So, and it worked pretty well. Um, the issue I ran into was when, because it's a human system, they have to follow HIPAA laws. And so I'm not working on animals, so I don't have to, but, um, or like, that's just not a thing for us. Um, but that doesn't matter for Jane. Right. So for my patients or my clients that have multiple animals, they had to have an account for each animal. And so a different login for like eight different animals, like that's ridiculous. So then I, like, I knew I wanted to use ipoints um, just from hearing it on the podcast, I checked it out. I, liked what I saw. I knew eventually I would use that software system, but I didn't want to take the initial cost of that when I was just starting out and it wasn't something I had planned for. So, um, but then later on, you know, I had to pull all my files from Jane. I'm still organizing all of them and it's been like two or three months now. Um, so it like the switch has been a pain. I've like you know, technology glitches. I lost a couple appointments, and like that patient would pop into my head, and I'm like, hmm, they sh- I should have seen them. And then I look, and we're two weeks late now. And or I already set up the appointment, and then I never showed up. Like I had that happen two weeks ago, and I, it literally just disappeared off my calendar because of the transition, and I had to message them and apologize. And luckily, they are great clients, so they were fine with it. And their life was crazy, so they kind of forgot too. And the appointment reminder obviously never went out because it didn't exist. So I had, you know, switching software systems is a real pain in the butt. And I'm sure it did kind of set my practice back a little bit. And I did kind of hit a lull um, after it's kind of funny after the holiday season, I did like a little promo for the month of December to try to avoid a holiday hit. Um, And then it happened after the fact, because I think of my software change. So I would say plan ahead, know what software you want to go with and then save up the money and just go with the better software that's designed for what you're doing, you know, and it, that alone, like people, not everybody even opens the reports but for the people that do it. Like those are the people that are going to send you more of the people that you want in your practice that you want to be serving. So it, it is all the little details. So I would strongly encourage, you know, go with the software system that you want initially don't go with the cheaper option. Yeah. Um, okay. and then just, sorry, what's that? Yeah. Keep going. <clears throat> um, the other thing would be something that I did was I think they're called CPA. I think, <laughs> uh, I don't even know accountant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hired somebody like from the get go, because I just, I don't like doing taxes. I, I've never, I mean, I'm like kind of a, I had a bit of a silver spoon. My dad did my taxes for me growing up. So I'm just like, I don't even know what to do about that. So I hired somebody. And so um, that's been really helpful because she's doing tax strategies with me on how to save the most and that kind of stuff. Um, And she's like doing payroll for me now, even though I am a one man shop or whatever, one man show, um, she's doing that kind of stuff for me because it makes my life easier, like in the long run. Um, and so I would say just hiring somebody to do that for you right off the bat is, it just takes the guesswork, like anything that you can do to take the guesswork out of practice, just do it you know, and it's not something I planned for. And I certainly was not busy enough to necessarily support that. I was like, okay, she cost me 120 bucks a month. That means I need to see one dog and one horse a month to cover that cost. Okay. I know I can do that. Great. Now, is that another 120 I would love to have in my pocket to go towards something else? Yes. But I knew the benefit, you know, so I, I would say, just don't be afraid to Make those uncomfortable decisions that you know will benefit you six months from now, Mm -hmm. and make those decisions based on what you want your practice to look like six months from now. Don't base it off of what it looks like when you're first starting out, because then you would make no decisions and you wouldn't make, um, like beneficial decisions that are going to help you out in the long run.
0: Yeah, what I just heard is uh, really investing yourself by investing in others, right? Because you know, if if you are a one-man show and you're doing everything yourself and you're having to go on YouTube and look up, how do I do my taxes? Or how do I, you know, send this via effects for free? I've done that before. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're, you're spending your valuable time. Say you're worth $100, $150 an hour. You're spending your valuable time doing what you could pay somebody $15 an hour to do, right? And I, I think it's really hard to think that way, especially when we're first getting started because we're frugal. We're like, I got to make a profit. I got to make an income, right? But ultimately, if you free up time for yourself, you can, like you said, just add another horse or another dog to cover that cost. And we really have to think that way because it's going to grow our practice instead of shrink it because all the admin time. So speak a little bit more about why an EHR grew your practice. And I think it's mostly because it, it shrunk your admin time like it did for me, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, for Jane, what I was doing, cause I don't always have service. So I was going into the notes on my iPhone and I was putting all the listings in and that takes even longer when I'm there with them. Um, and, you know, people try and talk to you while you're taking your notes and it's hard <laughs> to juggle the two. Um, and so it was even hard cause I like harder cause I was physically typing out everything. And so then I would have to come home and I had to connect to my Wi-Fi and I'd have to manually plug everything in that I noted for the day. And I was spending hours every Sunday on my one day off of the week doing this. And it wasn't making me happy and it wasn't bringing me joy. You know, I want to go spend time with my animals too. Um, and I just wasn't getting that with the other software system. So um, yeah, it definitely cut down. You know, my notes are pretty much done on site now. I just have to come home and make sure I filled everything out. Um, and it takes me 30 minutes for like, like, let's say I get two weeks behind. Mm-hmm. It takes me like maybe an hour to get through all the notes then and make sure everything's squared away instead of five hours.
0: Yeah.
1: And time, time Fresh. is the most valuable asset. Yeah. yeah stressed about it, you know, like I I was losing sleep over that kind of stuff. Like, oh, I didn't get this report sent out like Mm -hmm. in time, whatever. And I was losing sleep over it. And I'm still stressed and I'm still tired, but like they're for different reasons now, (laughs) which is great be stressing over your EHR system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's silly that, you know, how much technology has moved us forward. I, I started out with paper myself and I'm so thankful that, you know, I, I met Carmi at iPoint because I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, maybe six months into practice. And she's like, yeah,
1: wow. Okay. You know, is this well, what the
0: rest of your life's going to look like?
1: <laughs> yeah. It took me, you know, it took me like five months to get to the point of, okay, I, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, if you want a high volume practice, like it's not going to take you that long to get there. Cause you're already putting that energy out there in the world and you're already doing the things you need to do to attract those people, you know? So it's just, it's not worth your time Yeah, absolutely. to do it later. You know, you're going to spend more time doing it later, which is what I did. So like, don't do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. If people drive well with you, if they're in your area, maybe they want to connect, where's a good place that they can reach you?
1: So Facebook, I am just the wandering chiropractor. My logo is a circle with a horse jumping through it. Can't miss it. Um, and then Instagram, same thing. Um, but it's the dot wandering dot (laughs) chiropractor and then website is the same thing, the wandering Cairo. So you can just reach me there. And my cell phone number is on all of those. So, I'd give it to you now, but you can just go find it there. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd actually be
0: surprised when I actually put my contact information out. I'm like, Oh God, everyone's going to contact me. And you'd be surprised. There's not many people that actually take the time to go do that. So, um, but anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here um, guys. I know this, um, listening to this dog has helped you and served you in some way. If you wouldn't mind, could you please scroll down on wherever you listen and leave us a like or review, or even share this podcast so we can serve more, animals you know, chiropractors in need. This field is small and wants to feel like a family. So if we're doing a great job, please let us know about it until next time. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope these free tools have served you and your business so you can serve more patients. It's really tough being an animal chiropractor. I know it. You're trying to meet all these people, trying to get their vet to sign these referral forms, and you don't know if you can make your business work financially. It's hard. I get it. Now, when I first got started, all of my chiropractic mentors told me you have to do all these marketing events, meet all these people you don't know, shake a lot of hands, and get them into your practice. I was always wondering where my next new patient was gonna come from. And if I'm being honest with you all, it wasn't sustainable. It always put fear in my head that I would never have a practice of my dreams. So fast forward a couple years, and here I am with a successful and thriving animal chiropractic practice, and it took a lot of mindset shifts in order to get here. What I thought and what I was told would work didn't work for me, so I had to develop a program that worked for a strongly introverted, kind of awkward person who just loves animals and wants to serve them well. I had to shift away from always thinking about where I'm going to get my new patients in to instead focusing on the relationships I built in my community and becoming an authority figure on animal chiropractic. So you guys, I have a free course. That's going to tell you a little bit more about how I made these mindset shifts and why I started this Making Strides movement, so that way we can push the animal chiropractic profession forward. Please join us on Making Strides for AnimalChiropractic.com, take the free course, and see what it has to offer you. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening.